Okay, so we have everyone here. Normally we talk about uh, training and strength and stuff like that, but every now and then um, we uh, go off that path a little bit and talk about um, some other things. I usually try to keep nutrition out of this podcast because people get passionate about it in not a good way. Um, and this is kind of along those lines, but I, I, I have some... I don't have feelings about the, the idea of health at every size, per se, because um, I don't know that much about it, so I don't feel as though an opinion from me is really beneficial to the conversation. But I would love to hear what you guys think, since um, I picked up on a thread on Facebook, because everything happens on Facebook, uh, that was pretty interesting, and I thought the dialogue that was happening was actually very mature for a normal Facebook thread. So um, it sparked my interest, and I thought it'd be interesting to get you guys coming on. So why don't we start with you, Aaron, maybe you could tell us uh, what you're, so you're a student right now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so there. Uh, tell us uh, where you're studying, what you're studying, and how it came to be that this thread got started by you. Right? Yeah, so uh, I go to uh, VIU and I'm a poli-sci major and basically I've, uh, I've always had an interest in things like feminism and basically social movements. Uh, something like health at any size is actually an extension, in my opinion, of feminism and comes from that general area. So I've had to interact a lot with people who believe in it and people who think that it's you know, generally the right thing to do. I've also interacted a lot with people who can't stand it and think it's generally stupid. So I like to think I've had like a lot of positive interactions or at least understandings of the movement. So yeah, started a thread on Facebook about how I didn't understand one of the criticisms of it. Uh, that criticism being like, you know, people criticize it for not being healthy. I. I don't know. I don't really think we live our lives around being healthy at all. So, yeah, that uh, that's basically how that got started, and now here I am. Okay. Well, we'll come back to that thread and some of the things that came up in that. Quinlan, can you maybe tell us why you are not so much qualified to be here, but <laughs> why you might think you might add to the conversation beneficially? Uh, you know, I've been kind of following the trend for a little bit on and off for a couple of years just because it's prevalent on internet forums, especially on places like Reddit. Um, you know, the fitness community there likes to make fun of it. Um, and so most of my experience has been more negative, uh, the sort of negative end, end of it where people are um, lampooning it in some way. I don't think it's as... Um, uh, I, I don't share that opinion. I don't think it should be lampooned as hard as it is. Um, but that's kind of my experience with it. Okay. Um, and as at least you guys can see, there's no sheets in front yes. of you. I have laid out some points that I found about health at every size. Those are taken directly from some of Linda Bacon's books. So mm -hmm. it's just some key themes that I found in there that maybe we could... Um, expand on or focus on and then I have some information on some of the economics of obesity that I took directly from the book that's listed there um, and that's just kind of material to support the conversation not necessarily uh, I won't say whether or not anything on those pages are absolute fact or not but they should allow us to have a more generally informed conversation about about this yeah definitely um, Rachel Rachel Robertson uh, how do you think you can offer, how do you think you can benefit this conversation? Where are you coming from? I think I was asked to join the conversation from personal experience. Okay. Um, well, what do you do, number one? I'm a kinesiologist and I work with people, whether they want to lose weight or just get in shape or whether they have injuries. Usually injuries and chronic pain have a correlation with weight gain. So trying to 
either accept where they are at the moment so that they can deal with their pain or um, help them try to maintain their weight or lose weight depending on the situation and what we can and cannot do. Mm-hmm. So each individual is independent. but. And do you know anything about health at every size? Um, Have you come across this... Oh, I've definitely seen stuff. Um, I haven't personally read any literature, but from just the words, hearing the words, I have my own personal opinions of it and perspective. So I guess maybe we could probably, it'd be safe to assume that there's probably a number of people out there and probably people in the fitness community who just see the the name health at every size and they have their preconceived notions of what that means yeah from what i've seen actually it's almost been uh sort of uh taken away from the people who might be representing it as something that is negative they use the acronym h-a-e-s to sort of just it's kind of like a you know feminazi that sort of line of thinking okay yeah, I, uh, I definitely think online whenever someone sees like the health at any size acronym, it's often turned into a joke. Yeah. Like people instantly invoke it with someone who's you know massively overweight or you know someone who's constantly posting on Tumblr or something like that. And you know, with the reality or the philosophy of health at any size, I think it should be inclusive to a lot more people than it's generally seen to be, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, that's my understanding uh, going through some of the materials that uh, they do come back around to this idea of whatever your size is, these are some principles that maybe you should live your life by or strive to live your life by or or something like that. Um, Do you know anything more about the health at every size in terms of what exactly some of those principles are? Or maybe what people have conveyed to you about it? So what I've seen about health at any size is generally that, okay, there's this unrealistic expectation, I think more specifically on women, but it applies to everyone. In our society, people are generally seen to have to be thinner or have to be, you know, more uh, aesthetic, I suppose is the term. And because of that, our concepts of health or our concepts of society are a little bit skewered. So Health at Any Size wants to redraw the lines of what it means to be healthy or what it means to be, you know, a functioning adult. And whether it means you're 30 pounds overweight or 30 pounds underweight or, like, you know, your BMI is perfect, whatever. It's essentially just trying to have more of an emphasis on health than on just necessarily being thinner. And I think that is correct in a way and incorrect in a way. So... I think it's probably difficult to get that message across when the word size is in their campaign title, Health at Every Size, but at the same time you're saying that size isn't really what they're talking about because they're saying, well, it doesn't really matter what size you are, it's really just about being healthy regardless of size, even though it's health at every size, so maybe that's where people are getting kind of tripped up on that. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, to me, I think it's a very positive social movement for what it's trying to express but then like you know like before everyone who sees the size part of it is instantly like okay overweight mm-hmm. you know it, it specifically applies to overweight and no in reality it should apply to people who are muscular people who are underweight like I was saying like it's it, there's this really preconceived notion that it's specifically for people who are just overweight and to be fair to that notion it is mainly invoked by people who are overweight but you know I socially I understand it I think it makes sense, and it's something I would like to see more of. And you do see campaigns like Dove, like where they're trying to like invoke bigger models and stuff like that. Mm. But again, to some, that's not enough. 
Okay. Quinlan jump in any time here or anything. <laughs> no, I agree with you. I think that the size people, when people say health at every size, they really are focusing on overweight people. When in reality, uh, you can, like, it's just as unhealthy to be extremely underweight as mm-hmm. it is, in my opinion, anyway. Like, you, it's, I think it's more about finding a balance in your life, is what they're trying to, like, don't be obsessed with trying to be super, super thin when uh, for some people that's not realistic. So would it be fair to say that this um, campaign is more or less a middle-of-the-road approach of just be healthy and don't worry about what other people are saying? And Because isn't that how – so I'm a coach. I try to coach people in a fairly global sense in terms of their life. So we could say a holistic sense even. Um, we try to, I try to help people find balance in their life because usually if we – if we take a look at their lifestyle and we see something's out of balance, if we tweak that or, or quote-unquote fix that, then we can solve a lot of problems that they perceive themselves to have, such as being overweight or not having enough energy or that kind of stuff. So how is what I do different from what these people are talking about, if they're just talking about helping people find balance or health in their lives? Well, I think to address your first question, um, yeah, this specifically to an extent is about moderation. I think it's about trying to find a health and about trying to find, you know, a balance in your lifestyle. Um, I think people who are extreme take on health at any size in some instances and really kind of moved away from that philosophy completely. Um, to answer your second question, I think the, the two principles are the same. You're trying to help someone find balance. Health at every size is trying to help someone find balance. At the same time, though, you as an athlete, it's not just about balance. It's about athletic performance. It's about better results on the platform. Or I'm, I'm not sure about uh, kettlebells, but like you know, just on the stage, wherever you compete, you're trying to have better results. Whereas this is more like you're trying to live better. So, I mean, yeah, the same principle is there, but it's you know ever so slightly different, as anything athletic would be. Where I actually see it differently, I see the healthy at every size as just accepting for who you are, not necessarily trying to make changes or do things in moderation. Yes, it's okay to have this chocolate cake, but I'm still going to do whatever to compensate. It's more like I can do whatever I want because I appreciate who I am. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's my interpretation of it is that... I can just say it's okay because I'm proud of who I am. Where I think the difference in that and what you do in your profession is you're trying to help people find appreciation and balance. Where the theory is more just appreciate who you are and it doesn't matter whether you're in balance or not. I could be wrong, but that's my interpretation of it. I I think that's accurate. I, I think a lot of the health at every size is just about like accepting who you are as a person and being comfortable in your own skin. However, I think that that does lead to positive lifestyle changes too. Yes. When you're comfortable with who you are to begin with, it's like you don't feel as bad if you're not making as fast progress, for example. Right. Because I think a lot of it is when people, you know, they're trying to lose weight or whatever um, because for health reasons maybe uh, and they're not, they're not seeing the progress that they expected. Mm-hmm. Um, if they don't have the confidence even to begin, then that's uh, that can be damaging. But uh, accepting like kind of who you are as a person or your physical state, uh, whatever it may be, then I think that can be positive to result in changes. See, I'm sorry, continue. that's good. I was also feeding on that. I think um, we've learned as coaches 
that it's better to give people goals outside of weight loss. So they might come to us and they say, I want to lose 20 pounds. And we look at it and we look at, we make them usually fill out a goal sheet and then we try to narrow their mindset and not just say, I want to lose 20 pounds. Well, how do you want to lose that 20 pounds? You want to get stronger. You want to be able to hold your kids as you're walking around. You want to be able to pick stuff off the floor, fill your car with groceries, get into the house and have no back pain. And then once they start to narrow their focus and go, oh, I need to be able to pick up 30 pounds off the floor without having any back pain. I need to be stronger in my legs. Their focus changes. And then they're no longer focusing on, I have to lose the 20 pounds. And then they're, they're, they're no longer worried about that. And then they're becoming positive thinking because then each session they go, I feel so much stronger. I'm getting so much stronger. Now I'm lifting 20 pounds. I'm 10 pounds off my 30 pound goal. And that also helps build the mindset. So it's trying to shift that focus from focusing on the number or the weight yeah. and shifting to something outside of that that lends itself to maybe getting more comfortable in their skin because they're seeing well it's also positive and negative thinking right like like we've been taught weight loss is a negative thought i have to minus something Mm -hmm. where gaining strength is a positive americans don't want to lose stuff (laughs) right so we want to gain so we think positive by gaining strength or gaining flexibility gaining mobility weight loss also isn't is not an accurate measurement either no because you success and physical mass and yeah because muscle mass and it's not it'll fluctuate from day to day and it's just it's not a good measure but i think in principle we're arguing something that's you know already a health at every size type idea like this is you know when you're talking about how uh you know it's not just weight loss it's about trying to build these kind of you know, athletic ideas or going towards these goals. That is, health at every size, so I've seen, at least as far as like the moderate size of health at every size, it is a big part of life. It's like you build these goals, you have these ideas, you're not so much looking at the scale, but you're looking at what you can do and how you can be healthier and, you know, how's your heart rate doing and stuff like that. And I don't know, I think as we have this uh, sort of discussion about like, well, you know what, here's how we feel about conventional weight loss. I think health at every size agrees with you in principle. Okay. Um, Rachel and I had, so when I initially saw the feed on Facebook, and just for the sake of context, maybe you can give us a quick summary of what things were brought up at the start of that conversation and where it kind of came around to at the end. So um, the, the common criticism of health at every size is you can't be healthy at every size. That's, it's adherently an oxymoron. To some extent, I agree with that. To another extent, doesn't really matter. People in general do not live their lives around health. People party, they drink, they smoke, they eat like crap, they, you know, they have unhealthy activities. People do not give a damn about health. But then as soon as a person's a little bit overweight, it's, oh, that person's unhealthy. Reality is you don't care. It's not a consistent factor in your life. Uh, from there, it kind of branched off into a strange philosophical discussion. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm trying to even remember how it was past that. But basically, uh, me and one fellow discussed how he agreed with the concept. He was saying that, something about free will. Yeah, he very, <laughs> very quickly went into uh, free will. And then there was a uh, another person... Uh, Nikki, who asked me a question about it, and I actually confused health and size with fat acceptance, which is when girl Cassie came on, and mm, Cassie yeah. is actually the person who's basically introduced me to health at every size, at least on a respectable and moderate 
uh, playing and basically cleared up how health at every size is again invoking these moderate ideas it's not the same as fat acceptance and you know when you confuse the two it's you're, you're potentially doing something uh, I don't want to say detrimental problematic is what I'm looking for so yeah that's I, I think that's fair okay yeah what's what are the primary differences between fat acceptance and health at every size is the only difference that on the end of every campaign slogan, they say, no matter what size you are. Is um, that really the only difference? I, I think, uh, first things first. Because that seems to be the trend here when I look at these points is, it usually ends with, whatever your size. Yeah. Um, as I, kind of like the de facto, just, you know, we're going to throw that in there so that no one comes back at us with that. Fat, fat acceptance is quite a bit different than health at any size. Like, the principle of health at any size is, doesn't matter if you're like 100 pounds or 300 pounds, we can make it work, we can give you goals, you can have, you know, you can have healthy ideas about what you want to be, we'll, we can make it work, it's that moderate. Fat acceptance, I think, is a bit of a mutation of that, which is a problematic term. Um, basically, so it's like... address no matter, anorexia directly? Uh, health at any size? I believe so. Um, more so you'll see it for people who are overweight or slightly overweight. It's like more so the overweight spectrum, but in principle it's supposed to, you know, go against the whole thin spo, you know, try and help people who are underweight, you know, try and give them goals and again it's like it's not like you have to gain a huge amount of weight, but like let's make you live healthier. But with something like fat acceptance, it's just like no matter how big you get, it's fine. Whatever. <laughs> it's good fine. job. No worries. Yeah. I again I'm I'm potentially like being uh, I'm misunderstanding some more technicality of it, but from what I've seen, it's just like, hey, you're 400 pounds, that's fine. Good right, work. right. Um, Rach, do you want to add anything to that? Mm, no, I don't think okay. so. So when I initially saw the, um, the thread, I was chatting with Rachel a little bit about it, and one thing that I wanted to address was, I mean, Again, when I see health at every size, and I guess I probably fall into the same camp as Rachel since I don't really know that much about it, I, I'm biased towards making an assumption once I see that, that line. Um, and I'm, I am very passionate about people being healthy, in turn, at least not detrimentally unhealthy. Um, I'm not one of those people who thinks that if you eat two tablespoons of cheese seeds instead of one, you're healthier, because your health doesn't really work that way. Um, so when it comes to the health at every size, it is pretty empirical that when you reach a certain threshold, you are inherently at more risk to chronic diseases, even morbidity, uh, morbidity and mortality. So now with the, with the weight thing, especially with the people being overweight, now I have uh, some clients, okay, so one client for example. When I look at her, sure she's overweight, she may be 30, even 40 pounds overweight. Normally when I meet people, I don't think of them with that, I don't have that idea about someone. I just kind of judge you based on your personality and your weight is like, it doesn't really even really occur to me. And as a matter of fact, I've told Rachel numerous times that when I look at pictures of her, even from like a couple months ago, I'm like, whoa, dude, you're so chubby. <laughs> But it's like whenever I look at Rachel, it's just it's just Rachel, right? And then I see a picture of her that physically is in contrast to what she looks like now, and it's it's an obvious contrast. And so then I draw that parallel. I'm like, wow, you look really different, but you're still the same person. So I don't notice it on a daily basis. So um, 
Well, we also used, when we had the discussion, the comparison of as I slowly lost weight, mm-hmm. did you ever notice a difference? And that was kind of the idea. So when it, before I met Sally, I was 190 pounds. And then on my own, I lost about seven or eight pounds. Then I walked into the gym that he worked at. And I said to him, when I walked into that gym and the first time you trained me, did you ever think I was unhealthy or unfit? And he's like, no, it didn't even cross my mind. And I said, okay, so we're sitting at about 186 pounds. And then I get down to about 171. And I remember 171 because here I am in the back room trying to go up the Stairmaster and it keeps sinking down to the bottom. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so heavy. I can't even like get the Stairmaster to go up. And he comes into the back and he goes, what's wrong? And I was like, I can't get the Stairmaster to move. He's like, well, first of all, your weight's too heavy. And he starts hitting the down button. And I'm like, no, that's my weight. And it was kind of like that embarrassing moment. And then he was just like, oh, okay. And then he showed me how to use the piece of equipment. It didn't even cross his mind. I said, at 171, did you think I was unhealthy? He's like, no. So then um, about a year later, I'm down to 160. I said, at that time, did you think that I was unhealthy? He's like, no. And then Sully and I started dating a little bit after that. Before we moved out to BC... I was at about 148, and I said, when we moved out to BC, did you think I was unhealthy? He's like, nope, didn't even cross my mind. Now we moved out here, and I've lost even a little bit more weight, and I was like, do you think I'm unhealthy? Maybe I'm too skinny. He's like, no, I've never thought that, but it was- But you have clients now who say that. Yes, who do tell me that I'm too skinny, or I need to eat a cheeseburger, or I'm obsessive with exercise, and it's unhealthy. And then, of course, the psychological piece that I always see is you're always kind of, well, not always, but you're still not quite satisfied with where you are Maybe not necessarily weight-wise, but appearance-wise, from time think, to time. I think sometimes we just let what others say get to you. Right? Yeah, oh, totally. And, like, I know from losing weight, and I know you've lost quite a bit of weight, that um, sometimes you still think you are what you used to be. So sometimes, like, I know I've gone into a change room, and I grab a size 10. Well, I don't wear a size 10 anymore. But then I put it on, and then I'm too embarrassed to come out because it's too big, and they're going to be wondering why I went in there in the first place with it. But they have no idea the journey that I had to get there in the first place. And I think that's huge, too, is that your mindset isn't as fast necessarily as the progress that you make. Yeah. And that's a, a something common with uh, coaches and their clients is, is I get that all the time, is people think that somehow I came out of the womb as, you know, 10% body fat and able to clean and jerk a few hundred pounds or something, right? And it's like, no, you have no idea, right? You just met me and we know nothing about each other. Mm-hmm. It's not, probably not good for you to make these assumptions. And so, yeah, pe- people, clients all the time think that uh, that I that I was never overweight and never insecure about my weight. But the fact of the matter is, is that I carry with me from childhood and no matter every time I look in the mirror, I'm going to see a fat kid. Well, Every then, time. Then there's the opposite. There, we, you have quite a few clients who are just trying to put on weight. Yeah, that's the camp yeah. I come from. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking yeah. that. I was thinking <laughs> yeah. you're probably the opposite. I, uh, exactly. When I was in high school, before I started weightlifting, I was 120 pounds. Um, and then uh, now I'm 160. So I put on quite a bit of weight over the last few years. 
Um, and it's definitely a, a thing that, you know, I don't recognize that that readily unless somebody's like, hey, like you look like you, look like you put on weight or whatever. Um, so it's definitely um, a thing where, you know, like you said, the mind doesn't really catch up with, with the yeah. physical appearance like as, as quickly. Oh, well, and the thing is, you look in the mirror on a day-to-day basis, you don't see those gradual yeah. changes. You just look in the mirror, wash your face, and brush your teeth and walk mm-hmm. away. You don't yeah. really think about, oh, my cheekbones look a little more defined or pudgy, whatever. And, and this is why I'll normally get my weight loss clients to, um, if they can, take a photo of themselves on a weekly basis so that they can look at those photos because uh, I tell people, you know, when you look in the mirror, to judge your appearance or your or your weight loss or your progress, where do you always look? Same yeah. spot every time, right? Have those abs come in yet? And the fact of the matter is, you're going to be losing adipose from multiple different places, yeah. right? And so, if you're, say, a fitness competitor and you're and you're really, you know, you're crunching the numbers and you're trying to peel off the fat from every spot, you need to be taking photos. But it still applies to the average person too. I mean, it's I, I really try to get people not to just focus on this one spot because that's also tends to be the spot where it tends to hang around the most and it can be demotivating if they're always looking in that same spot. So any opportunity you can give someone to see some progress somewhere, um, even if you're if it's coming from the strength angle and you're getting them to focus on things other than just the, the weight loss itself and maybe focusing on, oh, I'm getting stronger from this week compared to the next week, that's very motivating. But coming back around to the original point that I was going to make was that um, so I have a client who, when she started, um, didn't look overweight in the conventional sense, at least not to me. Um, wasn't particularly pear-shaped or anything like that, whatever. But, um, and so a, a doctor might say, oh, well, you know, you're, you're fine, you're healthy, there's nothing wrong with you. But upon doing a, a fitness assessment, her cardiovascular health was like in the shitter, right? <laughs> you may not have anything physically wrong or viscerally wrong, but your aerobic health is like not good at all. And all of your metabolic enzymes are down-regulated because of that. Like we could make up some real good progress here just by improving your fitness and that will make a big impact on your health. And so I don't know if health at every size addresses stuff like that. Maybe from, someone can fill from that the gap. points here, I mean, it just seems like it doesn't. Like the lifestyle, I'll just read out the point. Lifestyle and health behaviors don't affect health as much as the social effects of de- uh, deprivation and discrimination. I don't believe that. Uh, yeah, and I don't agree with that either. I think that um, while there is definitely something to be said about the social effects of deprivation and discrimination, of the fact that, you know, you don't want to be, like, the mental effects definitely uh, hurts you. Mm-hmm. But I think to say that the lifestyle and behavior, health behaviors don't affect health is, is just seems uh, ludicrous. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's, it, there's an interesting parallel with um, affluence when, I mean, obviously there's only so many people who are like rich, mm-hmm. like rich, rich, right? And there's certain things about those people that separates them from the rest of us, whether it's their mindset or, or whatever, their, their motivations, their ambition, etc. And so for some things, uh, for some uh, aspects of life, like living 
getting to a place in life where you're comfortable and you own a house and you don't have to worry about money is harder for some people versus others. And how much of that is going to be a product of the type of person you are, personality-wise, and how much of that is going to be environmental, mm-hmm. or is it both? And and does do we see that that? reflected in what we're talking about here. I mean, if you look at something like uh, obesity in North America, it's mainly it mainly affects the lower classes, right? You don't see it as much of it as the higher classes. So you mix in, you know, a lack of education, a lack of understanding about nutrition, and then, you know, it just basically a I'm trying to find the right word, but just a situation that you can't really get out of, and you'll have people who suddenly put on a lot of weight. So I, I don't know. It's I think that is a bit of an interesting situation as far as the health at any size movement goes. I mean, these are people who don't understand nutrition right off the bat. They don't understand fitness. You know, they... I'm, I'm trying to look for the point I'm trying to make. <laughs> I think it's like a vicious cycle. Yeah, yeah, because if you so think cool. about it, you don't have the income to provide the, the food that you want to provide to your family. So it's cheaper sometimes, unfortunately, to buy the pre-made, processed, packaged food. Which is getting cheaper and cheaper. Which is getting cheaper and cheaper. Those calories are becoming very... Calories in general And the calories are more dense and denser for the volume. So, like, I don't even know anymore, but, like, you could probably eat a cheeseburger, for example, for a 1,000 calories, where to put all the vegetables and toss in a can of salmon... But might cost you two, three times that cheeseburger. Oh, you've won me over already with the can of salmon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, even think about it in some of the um, uh, the lower uh, uh, the lower ends of socioeconomic uh, areas where maybe money isn't as, as prevalent. If you're not getting paid that much and you've got to provide for your family, you can't afford to go out and buy. Maybe maybe you can't afford to buy all the ingredients to make burgers at home even. Yeah. Because, you know, buns are, for probably for the price of the ground beef alone, you could go to McDonald's and buy the, the complete burger for your whole family. No. At that point, mm-hmm. and so you know that where where the money the money isn't there to buy bulk products, and that also affects the, you know the diet. Well, but then again, you look at okay, so if I go to McDonald's, a meal is not generally going to be less than five bucks, but let's just round it off to five. Okay. I'd say seven to eight. Okay, so. A bag of apples that'll feed a bunch of people for a week is five bucks. Who's going to eat apples every day, all day? I mean, the, the I eat apples. Apples. I don't have to. That's my childhood. Yeah, but the point your girlfriend makes, likes apples now, every day. You know, the 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 um, new uh, obviously there's no protein and there's going to be a lack of certain nutrients that are going to be crucial to a yeah. proper healthy diet. You can't just live off just apples. But I'm just making the point that you can find ways. To make the, the those minute funds work, there are some places in the United States though where it's there's no grocery stores like readily available, and where people yeah. get a lot of their food is fast food restaurants who are mm-hmm. able to open up there and capitalize on the fact that there's no like grocery stores nearby for whatever reason. At the same time, though, I think the principle of what you're saying makes a lot of sense. You know, bag of rice is like fifteen bucks. You know, you'll you'll feed quite it's a quite bit. Quite inexpensive. Of yeah, I mean. It's kind of gross, but canned chicken's quite cheap. Like there, you can eat. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Or two. Yeah, are we canned chicken? Yeah, I'm, you laugh, but you used to eat canned chicken. There are plenty of ways to eat. Oh, sorry, for I was thinking prices. of like the whole canned chicken. Oh, like <laughs> I had in the war, oh. <laughs> and the bones are soft. Oh my god! The, you can eat uh, 
healthy for cheap, but what comes in there, again, is you need the education for it. You need the nutritional understanding for it. And if you're in the lower class and you don't have that education, again, you know, what seems cheaper? You spend five bucks today or you spend like 20 bucks today. So. And there's obviously something that, that Rachel and I understand uh, because we work in the industry is that um, our accessibility to shitty foods has become more prevalent um, so we need to be more mindful about the choices we're making just because of our environment alone but you know a long time ago we uh, uh, even in uh, North America there was a point where where we had to eat to survive right the depression era for example Right, you ate to survive. It what? It's not like you had things to choose from, right? So, um, is it practical though for people now to look at their food in terms of you're talking about education and nutrition science? And should we all be approaching how we eat with a little bit of that mindset or all of that mindset? Or I think we should be approaching just about anything with an educated mindset. Frankly, I think like. We live in a time and an age where you need to be educated about what most things you do. You know, climate change is happening. You should probably be aware of it. People are getting bigger. You should try and figure out why that's happening. I don't know. I think, like, a lack of education isn't really a lot of an excuse in this day and age when you live at such an access to information wherever. So, yeah, I think people should be thinking about what they eat. So, and how fast is the access to misinformation catching up to the access to information? And how is that impacting this? Well, that's the trouble is that when you look up any sort of nutrition information, you're in a sea of, of, of people who are like saying, no, keto's the way to go, paleo's right. the way to go. Um, you Atkins, know, bro. Atkins, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Back retro. <laughs> uh, you know, um, lower, uh, lower fats are better for you, you know. You should be eating whole grains. You shouldn't be eating whole grains. You know, it's just a, a whole bunch of information that's that's out there, and it's hard to parse. At the same time, though, mostly on the forums right now is like talking about counting macros and like understanding carbs and protein and fat. Like, don't don't get me wrong. There's a ton of misinformation out there, but you you look a little bit deeper. And I think consistently in the fitness community, people are saying, "Look, don't follow fads. Don't follow diets. Here's how to understand food." Don't go too far off that. You'll make some mistakes at first, but you'll be fine if you just keep consistent with this. So, I mean, yeah, lots of misinformation out there, but I don't think it's anything that could, like, prevent our, like, generation of people from, like, you know, educating themselves. You know, the problem is, though, is that when you get on an individual level, it's fine, but when you're getting to the point where you have to feed your family, then that's where sort of the nutrition information can really be sort of detrimental because my mom for a really long time was all about you know low fats Mm -hmm. low fats low fats low fats and obviously a lot of researchers come out shows that's not actually the best way to go about it maybe that carbs should be reduced before fats and so now that's her belief is that that's that's but that's for all growing up but for me it was no fats no fats no fats no fats carbs are better Mm -hmm. so it's just the nutrition the way that we kind of go about learning about nutrition is just it it's delayed always in my opinion at at the same time though i think you see more fads and people who grew up without uh the internet maybe to overgeneralize slightly i think if you're 15 to 30 years old right now and you have an understanding of the internet you've been around it for a long time and you know where to look i think that misinformation is going to affect someone way more who's just mainly on facebook and doesn't feel like doing the digging 
Fake news. <laughs> fake, fake, fake nutrition, bro. And I think that's something that's going to separate the average person to someone like me is I know where to look. Yeah. And yeah. I go to PubMed all the time, and I obviously have uh, my own textbooks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Whereas now I, t- I <laughs> you talk about fake news. I tend to be of the opinion right now that bookstores are gross purveyors of what is essentially fake news because just yeah. about anyone can publish a book these days yeah. you don't need to have Agreed. credentials you don't need to have an education all you need is a selling feature of yeah. that of that book okay what's the message you're sending will this grab people's attention mm-hmm. can it sell but you know what what 15 to 30 year old is looking at that book that's a book that's going to affect people who you know, go to bookstores and they're looking at bookstores for nutrition information. I think when you've been kind of brought up in the digital age here, you're going to not so much go to the bookstore for information about how to eat better or how to learn even. You'll probably, you're more likely to go to like a Wikipedia article or you'll look for some forums or you'll go to Reddit or some other mass media source. YouTube. Yeah, YouTube. like a lot on YouTube. Yeah. I, I don't know. In general, I think that just the people who have grown up with the internet are going to be able to decipher through things from not just nutrition, but news and so on and so forth, quite a bit easier than someone who has uh, come up without it. And I think like something like health at every size is going to become an interesting concept as sort of the elder generation dies off and you know the 15 to 30 year olds grow up. And we see like you know the people who believe in that, what they do with it. At least so I think. Okie dokie. Sorry, I, know, I, wanna, I actually <laughs> want to. I want to follow up with that a little bit. I just think okay. that, and I agree that the with the bookstores is a purveyor of a lot of misinformation on there. But I think also the internet, and you know, oh, absolutely, ab- absolutely, and a lot. I think a lot of younger people, fifteen to thirty year olds, don't have the media education to really parse through uh, a YouTube video and say, okay, maybe this person's maybe their goal isn't actually to promote. Uh, a, a method that works and or maybe a diet that's healthy and instead they're trying to like get views for the video mm-hmm. that is that's what's going to make the money now is like if you watch their video and they're like confident maybe good looking maybe uh fit and they're like oh i did this i ate celery for three, 30 days and here's bananas a day. <laughs> 30 bananas a day exactly and you know these are my results look i'm alive <laughs> <laughs> And so, uh, and and then Great they story, get the, man. They, they get the YouTube, and somebody could watch that and say, "Okay, that's gonna work for me." And in reality, it's not realistic. But I, I mean, then you look on the side and you see the recommended videos. And it's like, why not to eat thirty bananas a day? Hey, probably don't eat thirty bananas a day. My <laughs> counting macros is probably yeah, I mean, a better plan than only eating bananas. You know. <laughs> but confirmation bias. They're gonna look at those and they're gonna say, "Oh, what do those guys know? I'm I'm trusting thirty bananas a day." <laughs> yeah, that's you know? true. Um, Okay. Well, we touched on the internet, and that's a giant chasm. In, in yeah, you can't really go in there. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I do want to talk about? Uh, okay, so with this lifestyle, I just want to kind of go back on that point. Okay. In some, uh, in some, especially Southeast Asian cultures, um, being bigger is actually regarded as better. Yeah. Okay. Um, in fact, I had a friend, it's kind of a funny story, had a friend, he's from Burma. Uh, he sees, and, and we're just hanging out. And Isn't that Myanmar now? Uh, I think that's what they like to call us, Burma. I think they don't call oh. Myanmar anymore. That, uh, that's I thought what it was the other way around, isn't it? Uh, I, mean, I don't know. It could be. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. 
I am only see now. I'm only getting that from a Seinfeld episode, and I haven't verified that information. You know what? <laughs> so I'm now I'm perpetrating this I, whole I, misinformation. I feel shit. like I feel like whatever it is on the map, that's not what they like. <laughs> like I, I'm pretty sure that's the case. Anyway, he's from okay. Burma. Maybe it's Myanmar, <laughs> but regardless, and someone shows them a picture of themselves when they were when they were younger. It's like kind of like a, a bit of a joke, and he says, "Oh man, you were you were so chubby." And she got very offended, naturally. Like, you don't want somebody saying that. But to him, it was a compliment. It's just like saying, oh, you look very cute. It's like, you look chubby. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a good thing. So I'm wondering, I don't know if you guys have anything to weigh in on this, but maybe, uh, maybe your listeners have some experience with this. But I'm wondering if that in those, in those places where it's, it's actually kind of a, a um, indication of wealth, an indication of status to be overweight if, if their health is, is, uh, is better than uh, people in North America. Well, I have read that um, health and BMI don't, well, BMI is its own whole other can of beans, but um, that's how obesity and uh, overweight is kind of measured with that singular number, that height to weight ratio. Um, but what I've read is that uh, BMI and the health implications of BMI aren't uh, don't correlate exactly with the developed world as it does in a lesser developed world. So there might be health implications at a uh, possibly a lower BMI in North America than a slightly higher BMI in India, for mm-hmm. example. If that makes sense, and that would I would imagine have a lot to do with the the quality of food quality you're eating, food, yeah. and potentially the quality of life in general. Maybe um, exposure to toxins. Obviously, yeah. you know, uh, fat retains toxins. Yeah. Yeah. That's where it tends to be stored. So, et cetera, et cetera. Mm, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I couldn't comment on it. Okay.